A Misunderstanding from Peasant Tales of Russia by Vasily Nimrovich Danchenko, translated by Claude Field. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Kevin Davidson. Part Four. Despite the cold of an autumn night, scarcely had Helena entered her room than she opened her window and inhaled deep breaths of the damp, frosty air which poured into her chamber. She was afraid of the coming night. She felt that she would not sleep and be sleepless till the morning. She took a strong dose of a composing draught, but her nerves were too much disturbed to feel the effect of it. Just then Olya ran into the room. "'How cold it is here,' she said. "'For my part I am stifling and feel the want of air,' said Helena, attempting to smile. "'Take care, you will make yourself ill.' "'What does that matter?' answered Helena with indifference. "'Stop, Olya. See what the general's wife has sent you.' "'I am glad to have it,' said the novice joyfully. "'Although they say it is a sin, I do not hear with that ear.' Smiling, she opened the packet. "'Bonbons and sweetmeats! Hurrah!' "'Take them away. I do not like sweets. And now, my child, go down and go to sleep. I want to be alone. I have not prayed to-day.' Helena closed the door and entered her tiny bedroom, a great space which was occupied by a screen with sacred pictures. The whitewashed walls were bare, and so was the carpet. The general's wife had sent her a carpet, but Helena had at once given it to the church. In one corner was a narrow bed, on a little table a gospel richly bound, The Life of Jesus Christ by Ferrara, and some devotional books. Under the table was a box containing all her property, old letters and portraits. This she called her cemetery. She lit the wax candles before the sacred images, and amid the surrounding darkness the gold frames and bright halos cast their reflections on the austere faces of the saints who could scarcely be distinguished against their black background. Helena remembered the nights of prayer which her mother and grandmother had passed, prostrated at the foot of these same icons, and her sad heart was penetrated by a warm feeling of devotion. When she left her home, these relics were the only things she had taken with her, as they constituted a link with her past. They afforded her a refuge from her sad thoughts. But today, how could she get rid of them? She was incapable of praying. Her lips murmured the familiar words. Her hands made the sign of the cross. But there was no peace, nor humility in her heart. She knelt down and closed her eyes, but prayer did not come. In spite of years and of distance, familiar faces surrounded her, and loved voices whispered in her ear, "'How pale you are! Why did you leave us to go so far?' as though she feared insulting the sanctity of the icons she put out the candles and went into the next room she tried to tire herself out by walking up and down her cell but in vain the vision followed her she did not struggle any more like a swimmer at the end of his strength she yielded to the rising waves which were carrying her far away to the land of memories the five years of struggles through which she had passed, 
those years of prayers and struggles all disappeared she no longer saw her black garments even the walls of her cell had fallen a whole world lay open before her eyes yes it was the past which transported her to its magic circle she saw her youth again her sister nina with gentle trusting eyes came to her and embraced her with her tender arms in order to tell her in broken tones a young girl's secrets there was five years difference between the two sisters the younger one was eighteen she the older seemed somewhat too serious for her age that perhaps was owing to the influence of her mother to her continual visits to convents and to that atmosphere of incense prayer and meditation which had surrounded her from her earliest infancy the younger sister grew up quite different she was a butterfly who needed the sun blue sky and flower beds her laughter rang clear contagious and musical helena herself who had received the nickname the nun yielded to the charm of this childlike gaiety what she loved best in the world was to sit at her window in the evening listening to her sister telling her in her gentle voice her great joys and her little sorrows why then one day had she suddenly risen and pushed her away why had some words of her favorite made her treat harshly were it only for a moment this dear little bird who came to seek protection with her what had the child said that its memory should still burn in her heart to-day nina blushing and tears had confessed to her that for two years she had been in love when she uttered the name of the man she loved helena had pushed her away so abruptly that the poor little thing had fallen against a piece of furniture the nun remembered her mad fit of anger without being touched by her sister's sobs she shut herself in her room refusing to open the door each time that nina came and knocked at it on the morrow her anger had cooled and been succeeded by a sad tenderness a profound remorse for her harshness she went to her sister's room and found her asleep without having undressed her cheeks still showing the traces of tears she bent over her to embrace her nina flung her arms around her whispering in her ear with tears of joy this time i knew that you would not long be vexed with me there was no reason why you should be i am no longer a child i am eighteen i could not hide it from you any longer but he how does he feel towards you interrupted helena as she put this fateful question she pressed her hand to her heart as though she feared it would betray her by its beating i think he also loves me he is so attentive so affectionate in this manner helena did not ask any more she forced herself to smile until the hour of her departure she was constantly with her sister at the bottom of her heart she wished her to be happy but in this same heart an icy despair was daily growing more intense he has been affectionate and attentive to me also she said to herself had she not seen his gaze constantly following her did not the very tone of his voice change when he spoke to her 
She had deceived herself then, and indeed how could she, the taciturn nun, hoped to rival her graceful little sister? She had been blind, and worse than that, ridiculous. She loved Nina, and naturally had more smiles for her elder sister than for others. Shortly after her sister's avowal, Helena went to pay a visit to some relatives, where she remained several days, considering what she should do. One moment she believed that he hesitated between her and Nina, but Nina had been entrusted to her care by her dying mother. Could she ever come between her and her happiness? Never. Should she bring tears to those closed eyes? Should she ruin by her egotism her child's future? He might hesitate, but she must not. Only what should she do? She had not to reflect long. Her mother had taught her to forget herself and accustomed her to the thought of self-sacrifice. Happiness, bought at the cost of another's suffering, could not be endurable, she said to herself. Even if he did not yet love Nina, she would entrust her to his care. At the moment of her departure, and love would soon follow, her sister would not miss her. Those who are in love do not need a third person. Her fate, as far as she was concerned, was finished. She would never love again. Natures like hers neither change nor forget. As for being present to witness a spectacle of this youthful happiness, that was beyond her power. Perhaps in course of time, when everything had settled down, she might return. At present she must go where they could not discover her, or even if they did so, not be able to bring her back into the world. It was then that she recollected the peace that she thought she had seen pervading the convents which she had visited with her mother, and that devotional atmosphere which soothed those whom life has cheated. She recalled to memory the face of Sister Melanie, of whom it was said that she had lived through all the trials that came upon a woman. How serene her face was, and how grand and noble that once passionate heart! After her absence, Helena, returning one evening to her house, found her sister and him in the garden. A nightingale was singing, and the flowers were exhaling their scents. She thought she saw on the faces of the two young people an expression of happiness. The next day she told her sister that she was leaving for Petrograd, and that their aunt would stay with her during her absence. She took leave of both for a certain time, as she said and ignored his melancholy air when she entrusted her little girl to his care. She wrote seldom from Pietrograd. Nina's letters showed signs of ennui. Helena explained it to herself by the fact that the younger one had never been without her before. Later on she left for a foreign country, and it was from thence that she announced to her family the unexpected news of her entering the convent. She was happy, she said and wished them the same happiness. She would only write seldom, and perhaps would never return to Russia. She did return, however, chose at random a small provincial town, entered a convent there as a novice, and disappeared from the world. She never knew if her family had looked for her. It was as though a curtain had dropped between her and her former life. Since then five long sad years had passed, she hoped she had secured the happiness of those she loved, but she had not gained that sweet quietude, that healing forgetfulness which she had expected. 
On the contrary, her sadness increased with the lapse of time. Memory became more active. Through the most of her tears she no longer even saw the great ideal which was to safeguard her from herself. One single thought possessed her. She would never be able to return again to those she loved so well. Sometimes, as she lay on her bed, her lean arms crossed over her breast, she said to herself that one day she would be so stretched in her coffin, but then her sufferings would be ended, and death did not alarm her. She smiled at him as a prisoner smiles at the radiant hour of deliverance, but that hour came very slowly. It was still dark when the bells rang for matins. Helena dressed herself quickly and went out. From all sides black figures were gliding in the shadows toward the lighted portal of the church. Some saluted her, others did not notice her. Silence reigned everywhere. She went to efface herself in her favorite corner, in the shadow where she loved to stand, leaning her head against the cold wall. She did not succeed in attaining to forgetfulness. On the contrary, her memories oppressed her, though she tried to lose herself in the contemplation of the gentle virgin who seemed to regard her with pity. It would have been a relief if at least she could have shared her sorrow with some sister soul, but Sister Seraphine was the only one who passed and repassed her, grumbling to herself as she went. "'Why do you stand there like a statue? Make at any rate on your forehead the penitent sign of the cross.' They are a real sorrow, these young ones. You all have your eyes fixed on the holy pictures, but your hearts are elsewhere. Think of it, Sister Helena. At the hour of death you will be glad to pray, but then your hand will not have the power to make the sign of the holy cross. And the old woman disappeared behind the columns. Helena went back to her room. It was still dark, and the gloom had invaded her soul also. Why was it that she was suffering today more than usual? Was it a presentiment which oppressed her heart? What was going to happen? End of Part 4 Recording by Kevin Davidson, www.blogordie.com